Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Green Bay Packers, for the seventh consecutive year, are headed to the playoffs. They were able to clinch prior to taking the field um, against the Oakland Raiders or, or shortly after the beginning of the game against the Raiders. But they won anyways, 30-20 to 20, um, in a hostile environment. They get to 10 wins. And Matt, this game like all of the Packer games in 2015, was quite strange. But I wanted to start with the positive and dwell on the seven consecutive playoff appearances and just how amazing that is. Yeah, that's really incredible. And I, I know we've talked about the season a couple times. It seems like you know every good team has that lull season every now and then. I mean, nobody seems to do it that consistently. I mean, you've seen the New England Patriots do it, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. You kind of expect for any other team other than the one you're watching to have a bad season every now and then. And for maybe this to be that bad season but to still lock up a playoff spot with a couple of weeks to go left in the year is pretty impressive. So mm-hmm. they haven't played that well, but to still be that good of a team that you've got a spot locked up and nothing to worry about with two weeks left, you're, you're feeling pretty good, I guess, as a Packer fan. Yeah, and I think McCarthy said yesterday that – they lost three games on the last play of the game, and then they got destroyed by Denver, and so he thinks they're better off than even their record is. And I guess that's that true. <laughs> well, and he, he also won some games on a Hail Mary and, and close at the end, too. I, yeah, and that, that was the point I was going to bring up. I, I get a little bit irritated when I hear Packer fans saying, well, we should basically be 12-2. and two. I'm like, you can't. So you're going to count the Bears won it and the Lions won it? The, the Lions-Lambo game, which was a complete fluke as a win, and then count the Detroit-Lions win as a formality. I mean, that seems a bit ridiculous. Yeah, they've kind of evened themselves out a little bit. I don't even know if we look as good as 10-4, and 4, but yeah, um, but yeah I, I mean, they kind of even themselves out. You get the fluky wins, and at least this year we're getting we're getting some of the fluky wins on top of the weird fluky losses. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick before we wrap up the seven consecutive playoff wins, I did some informal research. I, I'm very confident in these numbers, but if I forgot a team, I was basically trying to compile this by memory or, or leading me in the right direction from memory and then researching it uh, statistically. But So with their seventh consecutive playoff appearance, um, the most in history is nine, and that's the 2002 Colts. Uh, 2002 to 2010 Colts with nine in a row, and these 1975 to 1983 Cowboys. Uh, if they were able to make it next year, they'd tie the 72 to 79 Steelers, the 66 to 73 Cowboys, the 73 to 80 Rams, and the 83 to 90 49ers. Wow. By getting to seven in a row, they join these teams: the 1992 to 1998 49ers the 2009-to-present New England Patriots, and, believe it or not, the 1987-to-1993 Houston Oilers, um, also seven consecutive. But here is the most amazing thing. By getting to the playoffs for seven years in a row, here are the teams they separate from. The 88-to-93 Bills that went to four Super Bowls in a row, the 1990-to-95 Kansas City Chiefs under Marty Schottenheimer, the 92-to-96 Cowboys who had three Super Bowl titles, the 92-to-97 Steelers, the first six years of Bill Cowher's career where they went to um, a bunch of conference championships and a Super Bowl, Holmgren's 93-to-98 Packers who went to the the playoffs six straight years, the Cleveland Browns in the Otto Graham era, 1950-to-1955. I'm sorry, I don't count the AAFC stats like uh, Pro Football Reference does. 
the 72 to 77 Raiders under John Madden and the 1973 to 1978 Minnesota Vikings with Fran Tarkington. They are now, they have gone to the playoffs more consecutive times than those great, great teams that I just mentioned. That's kind of unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, there were some run-of-the-mill teams in there, but for the most part, you had a lot of dynasties in there. For So for a team that's won one championship but has been consistently good, that's quite the accomplishment. And, you know, we're always criticizing the coaching staff and the quarterback and whoever else, but for a team to be that consistent and good, we're lucky to be fans of that team. Yeah, super mini crossfire right now. They passed Holmgren's teams. Which era is better, the 09 to present Packers or the 93 to 98 Packers? Ooh, that's hard. I think at their apex, I think the the home grid ones were better, but it seems like we've been more consistently good. I, I think from like ninety five to ninety eight, that four years is probably better than anything we've put together. But yeah, uh, man, I don't. But I yeah, it's tough. That's that's a good question though. I I think I would. Uh, man, man, that's hard. I, I guess you'll have yeah. to say that the nineties ones, just because they made it to a second Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's close, and if that 2011 team wins, or, or goes to the Super Bowl, or at least wins one playoff game, then it's yeah, a little bit of a difference. Because that might have been the best team we had in that whole whole era, and they get knocked out in the first round, so you don't really count them. Yeah, and arguably from week one of 1996 until taking the field to play the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 32, they were the consensus best team in the NFL. Yeah. So that's uh, something. But just amazing that they were able... It, we think of them Holmgren years as the like pinnacle of Packers football, at least for me. I think of that as... In the time I've been watching, that's the best the Packers have ever been. And this team has gone to the playoffs more times in a row than that era, and that's kind of amazing. Yeah. And lastly... And then we'll get off these playoff statistics. The Packers have made the playoffs 18 of the last 23 seasons, um, which is phenomenal. Yeah. From what, I, yeah, from what I could find, there's only there's nine other teams that have gone to the playoffs as many as 10 times um, in more than 78 percent of their seasons. So that's kind of strange, but it's it's really really good. It's not quite the 18 in 20 years of Landry's Cowboys or the 16 in 18 years of the Montana Young Niners, but it's close, and that's incredible. Yeah, and that all kind of ties back into the luck we had, or I guess. Good drafting with your back-to-back great quarterbacks. That's why teams don't do it. Is even if you have a good run, that quarterback retires, and you're kind of stuck trying to find somebody else. We, I mean, we got incredibly lucky getting a second guy right after that to follow. Yeah. So yeah, we're probably going to keep improving on that. Sad, make it look even more impressive. Well, we'll get our Jess, uh, our Jeff Garcia probably after Aaron Rodgers, and yeah. maybe get two more division titles or I'd something. Take Garcia. Yeah, that'd be better than. Uh... Jay Fiedler. Jay Fiedler. Yeah. Well, Fiedler went to the playoffs twice too, though. So. I don't know. It's tough. Big Fiedler fan. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you got to stand up for the feeds. <laughs> All right, so there was a game yesterday. The Packers defeated the Raiders 30-20. to And as I've done many times this season, I just want to hear your opinion without me giving you a leading question. Okay. Uh, I, I, to me, this just was like one of the more boring Packer games I've ever watched, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Even though they put 30 points up, it was just so anticlimactic. You get two big defensive plays right away, and then Derek Carr tries to give it back to you a whole bunch of times after that, and they kept dropping it. But, I mean, Rodgers was super pedestrian. Uh, the run game was nothing special. None of the, I mean, James Jones had some stuff working there for a little bit, but the defense played really well, and I think it's deceiving when you put up 30 points. You think the offense must have played very well, but really I think it all kind of ties back to how good the defense played. Yeah, I would agree. The offense had 293 total yards, which in 2015 NFL is not very good. They only had 190 net passing yards. Aaron Rodgers 
204 passing yards on 39 attempts, which is not that good again. Yeah, it's... The offense didn't seem very good at all, and the Raiders, for a team that supposedly still had something to play for, I don't think they were quite mathematically eliminated uh, yet. Uh, maybe they were once Kansas City won, but regardless, I texted you that this felt like a preseason game. Mm-hmm. The way they were playing, both teams kind of sleepwalking through it. Yeah, and it was weird. Yeah, it was very strange, and the defense played well, but really those first two interceptions really made it and then Quentin Rollins saved another interception with a really nice play in the end zone so those young corners came to play once more but I don't know yeah boring frustrating I think to watch Um, I had a note here that the Packers have conditioned me to be an offensive football fan and this Tony Dungy Buccaneers style play that they've had the last few weeks is really tough for me to get into I mean even when they win by Two touch or by ten points on the road, it still doesn't feel like it's a satisfying win. Yeah, it's hard to explain. Like you said, maybe it feels like preseason or like watching a college football game where it, it's almost like being a Badger fan. Is you mm-hmm. kind of expect them to win every week. They're not going to do it very excitingly. They might run in and just kind of end up scoring ten more points than the other team. And it just didn't seem like the Packers. It didn't seem like Aaron Rodgers was out there. Just good defensive play, decent running, just nothing that good. You were just a little bit better than the other team. And it was just unlike really much we've seen from them. Yeah, and the scary aspect is how poorly the offense played. And they mentioned during the game, somehow they were able to make a good point with that Chris Myers and Rondé Barber team, which was brutal. (laughs) One of the worst announcing tandems I've ever heard. But they mentioned that the Raiders were playing single high safety with man-to-man coverage the whole game. The Raiders came into the game 22nd in the NFL in defense, and the Packers made them look like the 2000 Ravens. Yeah. <laughs> and the, oh, then you got to go to Arizona next week, and then you got to play Minnesota. Yikes. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would hope that, and I know a lot of, I think Daniel Johnson had posted, and I know some people are talking about how good the Raiders are, but I mean, even though they beat Denver the week before, I mean, they have looked really bad lately, mm-hmm. and Amari Cooper until yesterday hasn't really been playing very well and, and doing much at all, and Derek Carr hasn't been playing as well, so I was kind of hoping you might get a possible blowout yesterday, or at least a more convincing win, so yeah, I, I agree with you, I'm scared after that game yesterday what you're going to run into next week. Yeah, and... Again, I don't really know what the problem is. They had the one drive with the touchdown to Jones where the Packers looked like the Packers for the first time in months. But Aaron Rodgers had a 68.8 quarterback rating yesterday. He Three of his ten worst career starts, as defined by passer rating, have occurred this season. Um, against Chicago on Thanksgiving, against Oakland yesterday, and in Denver. Those, those are 7, 9, and 10, respectively, so far. Um, as far as the worst starts of Aaron Rodgers' career. And I really don't know how to explain it because I don't know about you, but Rodgers is a great, great player, but it seems like he's either disinterested or he's throwing a hissy fit all the time. He threw a ball to to Jeff Janis that should have been a touchdown. He threw it a foot over his head, and then he, like, motions. I mean, we saw his back, so I don't know exactly what he was doing, but... How could that have been anybody but his fault when you throw a rocket ball to a guy who's got like four career catches a foot over his head when you could have lobbed it into his gut and he walks into the end zone? Like, yeah, it seems like know. every time he, he misses a throw, he's it's hard to tell what he's saying, so you don't know for sure. Maybe he's just tech at himself and yelling, but it sure doesn't yeah. seem that way. It seems like it's always a receiver's fault or McCarthy's fault. It, it's just like it's more often than 
in years past, it's been his fault this year. Like in in years past, it was almost never his fault. He never missed a ball. Yeah, so I, I'm sure he's just getting defensive when you're throwing bad passes on national TV. He's got to yell at somebody, but it sure seems like a lot of them are right on him. Yeah, and it, I know it has to be frustrating for the reasons you just said. He's never really been here before, it, you know, being this poor offensively. But, man, I, I wonder what would happen if they just get boat raced at home, you know, in the playoffs. And I, I don't think any movement will happen. But with Tom Clements and how close him and Aaron are and all the upheaval that happened off in the off season to change the – duties in the offense and now Mike McCarthy taking them back and if it still doesn't work you wonder what's going to happen to their relationship um, we talked about that a little bit last week but you you hear guys like Mark Tremura sometimes talk about Favre and Holmgren towards the end where both of them thought the other one was holding them back <laughs> and you almost wonder if McCarthy and Rodgers have had so much so much success that at some point McCarthy says, well, I won with Brett and I won with this guy. If he just would listen to me, we'd win 10 Super Bowls. And Aaron's thinking, well, if this guy would take the handcuffs off of me, we'd win 10 Super Bowls. And, you know, I don't think it's going to deteriorate tomorrow, but you wonder what's going to happen in the offseason, especially if they have a really ugly early out in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that will be interesting. And if you make that change as McCarthy to take the play calling back, you hope it at least has a big impact. And at least last week or in yesterday's game, it did not. I mean, the offense looked just as bad as it has all year. And I, I don't remember how many passing yards Rodgers had in the first half, but it was like under 50 again, wasn't it, for like the second time this year? Yeah, it was really bad. I, I can't remember, but at some point they showed it right towards the end of the half, I think right after, right before the Starks fumble. Like 40 yards or something like that. It was 3.9 yards per attempt, which is a terrible rushing offense. And that's from your MVP quarterback. But yeah, again, I mean, we kind of talked about this last week. You wonder if either of these guys would publicly say much, but you can definitely imagine there'd be some stuff going on behind the scenes. As if, like you said, you know, you you lose in the first round of the playoffs and you only put up like 17 points or something. Yeah. And you've got a frustrated quarterback and a frustrated coach that don't seem to blame each other for everything. And yeah, that'll be it'll be curious to see. And you're sure that you know Rodgers isn't going anywhere. McCarthy's not going anywhere for now. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Yeah, and and they're both professionals, so I'm sure they'll figure it out. But you know, but you don't really see McCarthy being like, "All right, you know what? Let's just give him more of the offense. Let's hit, let him make the calls." Like, I don't really see that happening. Maybe that would be best. But yeah. I just kind of with both egos involved, you kind of don't think each other are going to give the other another inch. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. One of the things I read this morning that. Um, on Packers.com is in their Q&A that they have every day. Uh, Vic, Vic Ketchman made the point that Rodgers was very negative yesterday and McCarthy was more positive. And somebody asked, well, why is McCarthy so positive? And he said, he, the offense is his baby, but he's still the quarter, or he's still the head coach of the entire team. So how can he come up there and be upset when his defense played great and essentially scored two touchdowns? He's got to be supportive and he's got to be upbeat. And hopefully... Aaron Rodgers knows that, and he doesn't feel alienated that McCarthy doesn't care that the offense stinks. I mean, obviously he does, but how can you... You had your young cornerbacks who had some rough moments yesterday, but also had some real shining moments, and were able to contribute to a big-time win, and your pass rush was great again, and so... You know, you're, he he can't come out and be like, "Wow, we stunk again. We won thirty to twenty on the road against a team fighting for the playoffs, and our brand new cornerbacks both played great." Well, this you know, 
but this is unacceptable. You know, he's got to almost have a positive attitude, I guess. Yeah, and, and I'm sure it goes back to him being, you know, Rodgers threw 204 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. You're, you, that's a Packer loss in almost every scenario. Mm-hmm. So for them to combat that and still win the game and for the defense to put some points on the board, that's got to be a win because it's not going to get a whole lot worse than that at the quarterback position. Even, you know, a Rodgers' worst game is basically that stat line. He's never going to throw six picks. Yeah. So you, you were able to play an average team do that and still get a win i think yeah if i was the coach i'd probably be pretty psyched too yeah and that almost is enough that you want to look optimistically at the rest of the season but then you're playing a team that's in the mid-teens offensively and man if if aaron Rodgers has 204 yards on 39 attempts against the arizona cardinals they're going to lose 42 to 10 yeah um, i would think i don't know we'll we'll see next week the shining spot for the offense was that Brian Bulaga pretty much shut down Khalil Mack completely. Uh, that was exciting to see. Bulaga is a good player, and he's, you know, it was good that we were able to keep him, but I've never thought that, he's never been a guy that I felt like I could be confident in in a showcase one-on-one matchup. And Khalil Mack's going to get a lot better, but for him to pretty much shut Mack down outside of one sack that came in a scramble drill was maybe his good as Bulag has ever been yeah and he got a game ball for that which was great to see because I, I think you go into that game knowing that he's the guy in the defense that's going to disrupt your whole game plan mm-hmm. and something definitely disrupted our offensive game plan but it wasn't Khalil Mack <laughs> no so I mean if, if you let that guy get loose and get a few more sacks who knows I mean it's a completely different ball game because the offense was already running pretty rough mm-hmm. so for him to do that and step up and really just neutralize a guy who was your biggest opponent on that side of the ball was huge and yeah you can't say enough about that yeah I didn't know he was that guy either but he sure was yesterday well and we knew that in order for the Packers to win that they were going to have to neutralize Mac especially to give Rodgers time against that great Raiders secondary with Charles Woodson and and the and the corner and then then then, then the other the other guys you know that great secondary that understandably shut down our whole passing attack yeah that was missing two starters I think (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude one and dude three though were as advertised so the defense looked great we already talked about that Uh, the opponent was iffy one thing I noticed uh Demarius Randall played really well he had the pick six then got torched some other times they had him playing bump and run coverage on Amari Cooper but without the bump which was really strange yeah, I, I guess I didn't notice that quite as much, but you would think on a big guy like that, if you're going to line, I mean, he's a speedster too, if you're going to line up that close with him, I guess Randall can run, maybe that was their thought, but what's the point of playing press coverage <laughs> if you're not going to touch the guy at all? Yeah, you're just setting yourself up for double moves and things like that to just torch you for long touchdown passes. Which happened a couple times. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the week after we said Julius Peppers was dead, he had two and a half two sacks. And a half, I saw the stat line just now, I was like, I don't even remember that. I remember one, but I didn't. Yeah. I really don't remember it either, so I kind of just saw that. But, um, you know, they could have been cleanup sacks or whatnot. Because the secondary was pretty good, outside of the fact that I don't think Casey Hayward could tackle me. He's he's terrible trying to tackle guys. He looked like Terrell Buckley out there. Yeah, and it it says a lot that they're putting Rollins and Randall ahead of him. And the lineup when you got some injuries, too, you've got the more experienced Hayward, and he's not getting nearly the snaps that those other guys were. That's a contract year for him, right, being a 2012 rookie. Yeah, I think so. So you would think he's probably not going to return. Yeah, either on his way out or he's going to sign a small deal to stay here. But you would think he's probably a guy who thinks he could go somewhere and start. Maybe he can go somewhere else and start. Well, he'll get one of those giant contracts for a team with money to spend, like the Raiders or the Jacksonville Jaguars or something like that, I'm sure. 
So, I don't have a ton else to say about this game. As you mentioned, it was just really boring. Um, the Raiders played about as well as I expected them to. The Packers played worse than I expected them to, and somehow they were able to win 30-20, to but that's not the first time we've seen that. They've won three games in a row, which is their longest win streak since the bye week. Um, the one thing I did notice is that stadium and that field looks like they were playing the game in 1979. <laughs> yeah. It was so weird, and I, you know, I, I don't think you should be holding these communities ransom for these palaces that they're building everywhere else, but I can m- understand the NFL's position a little bit better having to watch a whole Oakland Raiders game in that dump. Just real quick, do you have a what do you hope happens with this three team Los Angeles flirtation? Do you hope everybody stays or do you hope somebody moves? What are you kind of hoping happens? I guess I'd like to see everybody stay. I I just I don't know, I'm kind of a traditionalist. I hate to see big changes like that in the NFL. You've got these markets that have had teams, you hate to see them lose them. Like San Diego's been around forever. I'd say that's probably number 1 on my list of wanting them to stay. But it sounds like they're gone. Yeah. And I guess Oakland doesn't matter as much to me, and maybe even the Rams, if that's a possibility, because they've both been there before. But, I mean, those teams, as I know them as NFL teams, are Oakland, St. Louis, and San Diego. So yeah, I uh, I, I think especially San Diego, you hate to lose that AFL history, and yet mm-hmm. the Los Angeles Chargers just doesn't quite sound right. Yeah, I agree. And I was reading some comments under a story, and somebody said, we don't even want the Chargers here in L.A. That would be like sending... I mean, granted, they they weren't huge football fans, but for football fans from L.A., you know, when the Raiders were the L.A. Raiders, the Chargers were their closest rival, and then for the beginning of it, and then Denver became uh, more so later on. But they said that would be a bit like moving the Washington Redskins to Dallas. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody nobody's going to cheer for them there. And I never thought of it from that angle. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm sure a lot of them get over it and just really want a team, but they're, I'm sure a lot of them are still Oakland Raiders fans. So yeah. I don't know. If they moved the Lions here, would you cheer for them? If the Packers had been gone, I guess maybe. I mean, I probably, I don't know if I'd be a Packer fan if they moved them to Los Angeles anymore. I'd probably be so bitter I'd become neutral or find somebody else. If they moved somebody here, I'd probably become a fan of that team, I would think. Yeah. I don't even know what my psyche would be like if the Packers moved to Los Angeles. Hopefully that never happens. <laughs> yeah, it will not. Yeah. I can assure you that, at least not in the next 50 years. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So the Packers, like we said, clinched the playoff spot. They can still clinch the North next week, I believe, with a Vikings loss and a Packers win because then they would be two games up with one game to play. Um, Odell Beckham got suspended, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. So the Vikings' chances of winning went a bit up. And if you watch any of Sunday Night Football, I don't like the Packers' chances at all. The question I had is, do you put any thought, especially if Minnesota wins in the early game? Oh, they're playing the night game. Darn. I'm trying to think, do you put any thought in resting your starters and just conceding this one, saying, hey, we'll probably play the Cardinals in three weeks anyways if all things go our way? How hard do you fight for that two seed? Because even if you beat the Cardinals, then they still have to lose to Seattle next week, which certainly is possible, but you almost wonder that if it wouldn't be better for the health of your team and for your psyche to just phone it in and accept your fate as the three seed. No, I think they obviously have to 
outplay everybody. You can't go into a game like that and concede it basically when you still have a lot on the line and, and tell your players like, no, sorry guys, I don't think we can win this game against this team. So yeah, I, you've still got a good enough chance. Like you said, I I don't think they'll beat Arizona, but if you do that, they've got to go to Seattle and play them the week after that. That's a very possible loss. Seattle's rolling right now. Yeah. And you're confident that you can beat Minnesota. I think you've got to go for it. Well, that game is in Arizona, but point taken that Seattle's beating everybody everywhere right now. Uh, I just wonder what the psyche would be like of this team and the chemistry between the quarterback and coach if you get beat 29 to 10 like they did at Denver or just get destroyed like they did in Carolina, which is honestly right now before we get into our picks is what I'm expecting to happen. Yeah, and I might agree with you, but I, I think the psyche of that team might be better than a team that their coach tells them that they don't have a chance that they don't play Aaron Rodgers or their starters. That's true. If you can, there, see, I don't think there's any way you could do that. Yeah, that's true. At least the players then can take some ownership in it. If they go out there and just get their brains beat in, at least they can take ownership in that, hey, we tried and we're just not good enough and you know maybe we'll be good enough somehow miraculously three weeks from now. But yeah, that's a good point. So the rest of the NFC is pretty much clinched, right? Uh, with the losses by the Giants and Tampa Bay, I believe the, did the Viking, maybe the Vikings didn't clinch, but Seattle and Green Bay are both in now. Uh, Arizona and Carolina are both division champions now. Uh, Carolina, Just yeah. The NFC East basically, right? And then seeding. Yeah, and right now we kind of made fun of that and everybody has rightfully so all year. And the Redskins look like a capable team for a playoff spot. It's certainly not anything you expect to do anything, but it's not going to be quite the embarrassment that the 2010 Seahawks were or even the Panthers last year. They could easily go 9-7 and seven and uh, at least be somewhat more of a traditional bad playoff division. Yeah, late, I mean, lately, the last five weeks or so, they haven't looked any worse than the Packers have. No. They look like just as competitive as a t- of a team, and they're beating good teams. I mean, they just beat probably a same-level team as the Raiders yesterday by 10 points themselves. Kirk Cousins playing better than Rodgers has for the last, you know, the second half of the year. He played really well yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think they're a joke right now. I think that I don't think New York would have been either, but I think if Washington gets in, they might give somebody some fits, and they're at least a uh, respectable playoff team. Yeah, five of the last six starts for Kirk Cousins have been plus 100 quarterback ratings, including one perfect 158.3, and then yesterday a 153.7. So he is tearing it up. None of the yardage is that out of control. They're all right around uh, 300 yards, but still, the, that's something that is bringing up some conversation as to what you're supposed to do with him. He's going to be yeah, a free agent. That's tough. Well, and, and what do you do with him? Because is he really this good? And they're kind of game managery numbers, but they're still good. And if they go and maybe beat Seattle in the playoffs, that kind of changes things. And you wonder what they're going to do because they don't have any confidence in RG3. But then do they want to be the next team that signs Ryan Tannehill to a long-term deal? Yeah, I, I would think you could get him for a little less than Tannehill got. But, I mean, he's he's not necessarily just game managing either. He was throwing the ball down the field yesterday and looked pretty good. Yeah. I You would hope you could get him for a decent, maybe like a three-year, even if it's like 15 mil a year, but below that top tier. I wouldn't give him a Tannehill contract if he wants that, and that's what somebody's going to give him. Maybe I let him walk. But yeah. I, I think if you could get him for a, even if it's bigger than you want to pay, maybe a little bit, I think it's worth keeping him around because he looks pretty good. Doesn't that irritate you watching Kirk Cousins and Blake Bortles and all these guys just throwing Ryan Fitzpatrick just throwing the wide open receivers left and right and we can't get anybody open? 
It's well, Andrew Corliss is coming back next week though, so that ought to fix everything. All right. Hey, who knows? That could help. Well, and Ty Montgomery is on injured reserve now with his the worst sprained ankle in the history of legs. Yeah, jeez. I I don't understand what happened there. Um. So what what am I looking at here? Uh, who do you think will be the two AFC wildcard teams? So it's basically at this point Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and uh, the Jets, right? Yeah, and the Jets do not control their own destiny. They're the only ones. Man, that's that's. I'd have to look at the schedules. I I would think Pittsburgh seems like the best of the three teams, and probably Kansas City than New York. But I I don't think New York's a bad team either. They they're pretty well balanced. Yeah, they have a pretty decent defense, and their offense is right at tenth. So not too bad. Fitzpatrick has been out of control recently. I think he's got like eleven touchdowns to one interception in the last few games. Um, they play home to New England on Sunday and then at Buffalo to close the season. So probably one and one there. Yeah, Kansas City hosts Cleveland and Oakland. That's two and oh. <laughs> yeah. So they're definitely in. And then um, Pittsburgh has at Baltimore at Cleveland. So probably Steelers Chiefs, it seems like. I, I mean, you could maybe see the Raiders stealing one from Kansas City the last week of the year, but even if that's the case, the Jets would have had to have won out, right? Yeah, and they'll have to beat the Patriots to do it. So it seems Chiefs-Steelers. Well, that's all right. I guess those teams are both pretty hot right now, and it would suck to have Pittsburgh be on the outside looking in the way they're playing this year. Yeah, I agree. All right, so the other big story from yesterday, Odell Beckham versus Josh Norman, and how much of that game did you see, and from what you did see and have read and the aftermath, what is your thought on that? Yeah, I saw a lot of it as it was happening. For some reason, I only got Colts-Texans here. I don't know if that was the same for you on live TV. I got Titans at Patriots. Wow. So, yeah, I was watching Red Zone, but they were showing most of that game, obviously, because it was um, the most exciting thing going on right now mm-hmm. at, the, at the time. But it was a good game. Even when the Packer game started, I kind of wanted to watch through the end of that one just to see what happened. But it was an exciting, incredible game, and that kind of added to it. It sure seemed like both guys crossed the line, but I cannot believe the officials didn't do anything to stop that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're throwing flags, but nobody seemed to care. And when Odell comes launching in with his head at him, I think that's kind of when you throw him out. Yeah, I, I don't know how he doesn't get thrown out there. And man, But, I mean, even Norman, after plays were over, before that happened, I can see where the frustration starts boiling with Odell because he's getting thrown down after the play's done and yeah. nothing's happening. And it it's definitely was taken too far, but it... it I don't know how the refs let that happen. Well, and it, they apparently were talking trash the whole week leading up to it, and you know Odell Beckham seems to be a very excitable guy, and apparently the Panthers do something with baseball bats before the game, and he thought that was like a physical threat against him, Odell Beckham thinking that, and it's just a very weird situation, and kind of... It, it's that line between that ugly part of football that you don't really like, but it's also kind of exciting, too. Yeah, um, I liked watching it. I, I, I didn't care whatever. Stop throwing flags as far as I'm concerned watching <laughs> the game. Let those two go at it. Yeah, and when Odell, though, when he comes with that helmet, that's crossing the line. Um, you know, if you're going to have a little bit of a cat fight after each play, whatever, which is kind of what they were doing for the most part. But So Odell Beckham is suspended for a game in which many teams are having their fantasy football championship games Uh, that's going to be interesting i wonder if draftkings.com will get that overturned (laughs) yeah they probably will here's a billion dollars let them play (laughs) yeah exactly luckily i got eliminated uh from our playoffs Mm -hmm. yesterday otherwise i would have had him too and lashawn mccoy who tore his mcl apparently too so yikes thank goodness i lost yeah i 
I lost on the elimination game to make the playoffs, so I wasn't even in. I do, don't have no idea what my teams did yesterday. One thing, well, what did you say, embarrassing? I, I kind of like these last <laughs> weeks of the year. If you're like eliminated, just kind of forget about all that stuff and just start actually watching the game like normal. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. You can just kind of see who's going to win the games, especially with playoffs coming. That should be what it's all about. I think that this is going to be really good for Josh Norman because it's going to increase his Q rating quite a bit. A lot of people nationally are going to know who he is now who might not have known who he was two weeks ago. Yeah, he was getting to that point where he was, amongst football fans, we're starting to realize he's one of the better corners. But for people you know, in the national audience who watch every now and then, now everybody knows him after yesterday's game. Yeah, definitely. And one thing when I was looking at Odell Beckham and his statistics – Everybody knows he's good, but he's like on pace to have like a ridiculous Hall of Fame career right now. Yeah. He has 15 100-yard games in 16 career games played. For reference, 1,500-yard games in not even two seasons. Jordy Nelson has 20 in his career. Donald Driver had 22 in his whole career, and Greg Jennings had 24, and he's already got 15. That's incredible. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I think in every statistic, I, he's be, had the best start in NFL history for for a wide receiver. I know Moss is there in some categories, but it's it's just basically him and Moss for all of them. Yeah, and and Jerry Rice, I'm sure too. But um, yeah, that's crazy. So that about wraps it up for yesterday, I guess. Um, for me at least, was there anything else you wanted to add that you found interesting yesterday? Um, I I was just kind of curious where you're sitting on the MVP race now, because I'm finally thinking that it's going to be Cam Newton's to lose now at this point, and I, it took me a while to get there, but I think he's earned it. I think it's got to be, because the fact that they're 14-0 and with how suspect their defense has been over the last month, and him making some of these late-game rallies, I think it's absolutely got to be him, and maybe it's a little bit like the college football polls, where you're punished more for poor performance, or rewarded more for good performance late in the season, versus early in the season, so that's what's hurting Tom Brady right now. Um, I think Carson Palmer's had a really solid season, but his numbers don't look any more remarkable than what five guys do every year in the modern NFL. And Brady would get it, I think, on name only. Um, I think it's got to be Cam at this point. Yeah, I, I think he'll get it. It's, I mean, they're undefeated, even if they lose once in the next couple of weeks, but I think you're right. Brady had a really hot start, but Newton's just down the stretch has just been unreal. Yeah, and I think Carson Palmer, although he's playing awesome, I think it's almost more of a shock factor. Like, wow, I can't believe the numbers Carson Palmer's putting up. <laughs> yeah, he's he's been great. He's probably been you know the the second or third best quarterback in the NFL this year. But I think you have to give it to Cam, especially if they go sixteen and zero. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, he has a very embarrassing sixteen and one record after they lose in the first round of the playoffs, which right. which I'm almost expecting. But they're I don't know. They I don't know anymore. They're so good. I mean, it, it, yeah, they gave up that lead yesterday. I think they took their foot off the gas, but they were blowing them out too. I mean, they're just killing people. Yeah, they're playing like the 2011 Packers the last month, though. Yeah. They just can't close anybody out, and they're giving up a lot of points. Well, they beat Atlanta 38 to nothing the week before. Holy cow, they have scored no fewer than 33 points the last five weeks. So, yeah, that's that's the one thing where... Everybody's talking about Seattle and maybe if the Packers can beat Arizona and some of these teams. Oh, you know, the Steelers, every single network was talking about the Steelers like they're the sure thing to win the AFC because they're a hot team. Well, is anybody hotter than Carolina right now? Obviously not. They've won 14 in a row. Yeah, and they've, they're playing. If they can beat Atlanta, too, to get to 15-0 and playing four of five games on the road, that would be ridiculous. 
but we shall see. Okay, so that wraps it up for our talk about week 15, but since it's Christmas time, and last year we talked a lot about different Christmas-related things, we thought we'd bring it back to football and do a Christmas-related issue, episode of What If. What if the past had turned out differently? Fourth down for a title and a week at home. O'Donnell, shotgun, throws, has a man, drop! It is dropped! Yes, he thinks him! Had it! And he dropped it! What would the past look like? What would the future look like? If... So that signifies the beginning of Christmas What If, where we take an event from Packers history, we change it, and then we debate the ramifications. And this one is probably my favorite Christmas time Packer game, even more so than the 2004 Division Championship game against the Vikings. This was the 1995 season finale at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers when the Packers won 24-19 to to clinch their first Central Division title in 23 years. And if you watch that game back then, this was a really, really tough matchup. Brett Favre got hurt in the middle of the game. He threw up on the sidelines and then throws a touchdown on the next play. Uh, just had all of the folklore, snow flurries on Christmas Eve. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that would end up going to the Super Bowl and giving Dallas a run for their money, playing for nothing, just trying to play for pride, come all the way down the field, and on fourth down, go for it, down five, they throw to a wide-open Yancey Thigpen, who was a pro bowler that year, and if uh, you were a fan of football in the 90s, know was a pretty darn good receiver, drops a wide-open pass out of the back of the end zone, allowing the Packers to clinch the NFC Central Championship. And the thing for this game is, had the Packers lost this game, um, they won. They were able to host a playoff game. They were able to play a 9-7 and Atlanta Falcons team that they were really quite a bit better than. Then, by being the three seed, they go to the two seed San Francisco 49ers in the second round of the playoffs. If you know anything about Packers football in the 90s, they owned the 49ers, although this was the first time they ever played each other. They destroyed the 49ers, then go to Dallas in the NFC Championship game and take a lead into the fourth quarter before Dallas, a great, great team, obviously, was able to reassert their will and beat the Packers in a 38-27 misleading score that was actually much closer than that. And then, of course, Dallas goes on to win the Super Bowl. Had the Packers lost to Pittsburgh, they would be, or they would have become the five seed, and they would have taken on the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia in the first round of the playoffs. The Detroit Lions become the three seed and host the Atlanta Falcons. And a couple of things here, Matt, and then I'll turn it over for you to decide. So the big thing here is if the Packers win in the first round, Detroit likely beats Atlanta because Detroit was white hot in the latter half of 1995. Detroit, in almost all of their playoff appearances in the 90s, just were abysmal in the beginning of the season and then got scorching hot at the end of the year. Detroit won seven straight to end the season and had become the number one offense in the NFL with Scott Mitchell and Barry Sanders and Brett Perriman and all those guys. Herman Moore, yeah, had 1,700 yards receiving. And so they were white hot, and they would have come home to play a really bad team and instead got kind of their clocks cleaned in Philadelphia. And the Packers would have had to play at Philadelphia, which 
Holmgren's teams never won in Philadelphia the entire time he was there. And then the big difference is if they would have won and Detroit would have won, they're at Dallas in the divisional round for the third, third straight year instead of getting a chance to play San Francisco. And I think that they probably don't beat the Eagles. And if they do, they go to Dallas and almost certainly lose in the divisional round. And so it feels like after four years with Holmgren and Favre, as good as it's been, they still have made no progress. And I wonder what may, what happens in uh, 1996. They played the Falcons in the wild card round that year. That's what I was thinking about that whole time. I don't even remember. I remember that season very well, and I don't remember that game at all. I don't remember it that well either. I've since gone back to watch it, but... Yeah, the, uh, Jeff George and I think Eric Metcalf was really good that year for them. They had, I maybe Ryzen was there or yeah, that would sound right unless he was a Brown then. Oh, oh, you're right. Yeah, he was a Brown, so it wasn't Ryzen. But either way, it was like a really kind of weird Falcons team that barely got in the playoffs on the last day of the season. But, I, I mean, going back to that Steeler game, that was probably my first great Packer memory. I just remember being around my family on Christmas Eve, like, waiting to open presents and then seeing that last play. Like, everybody was on the edge of their seats already. Mm-hmm. And then when Pittsburgh decides to go for it and then it dropped, I mean, we all just went crazy. And I think that was really my first time as a Packer fan that that happened for me. Yeah. So that game holds a special place in my heart, definitely. Um, but I think you're right. I think they go – if they went to Philly – I mean, that's a Cunningham Eagles team, correct? Uh, Rodney Pete. Oh, Pete. Okay, wow. I I mean, you just kind of think about that team, and you would expect the Packers to win, but like you said, it's in Philly. It's a hard place to play, and they destroyed Detroit, as you mentioned. Yeah. I, I guess I liked their chances in that game. I think they were just really good that year. I mean, you saw the proof when they went to San Francisco and, and yeah. beat up on the 49ers. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree. I think they beat Philly, and then you, you lose at Dallas. I don't think there's any way that that's any different than the NFC Championship game went. I, I guess I don't think in terms of the team's history it changes much. I think we could clearly see that this was a team with a lot of potential. You would win your first NFC Central Championship in forever, so I think everybody's already really excited. If you go to Dallas and lose, I don't think it changes much in the divisional round. But Well, the thing is, they wouldn't have been division champs. They would have been a, oh, a wildcard yeah. team, yeah, for the You're third right. straight year, yeah. You're right. But, I, I mean, even still, I mean, people knew that that team was on the rise. They'd been getting better every year, and that 95 team was good. So I I don't think it changes a whole lot. I think they probably don't go into the 96 as the prohibitive favorites to win the Super Bowl like they seem to be mm-hmm. um, in on pretty much every meanings of magazine and newspaper <laughs> at that time. Yeah. But I think they probably are still the same team and their route to the to the Super Bowl in 96 was the same and they would have beaten all those same teams, I think. Yeah, so here is where I I don't necessarily disagree, but here are some other I guess being the devil's advocate here. First of all, the people I was trying to think of for that Falcons offense. So Jeff George had 4,100 yards passing. Eric Metcalf, Bert Emanuel, and Terrence Mathis each had 1,000 yards receiving. And then Ironhead Hayward had 1,000 yards rushing. Wow. So that's a fun Falcons team. I would have definitely been them on Madden 96. Yeah. So here's the thing that I think is a bit different is that the Packers, I think Dallas was in their head a little bit, especially by 1995, and the Eagles game would be tough, but I think you're right. They're better than Philadelphia. They probably would have beaten them. But the thing that I wonder about is, let's say, I think the reason they took Dallas to the limit in the NFC Championship game is because they were feeling so good about themselves because they won the division, they crushed San Francisco. And I think by doing that, finally getting a chance to play the 49ers for the first time in 
any of the uh, tenure of Holmgren or Favre or any of those guys, the last time they had played San Francisco was right in the heart of the Lindy Infante Don Mikowski era. So none of those guys had ever played the Niners. They got a chance to play them. They crushed them. And I think that's the, the game when they believed that we have a winning system that's a championship system. We're not just like one of these, like one of the Lions or something like that who has a playoff system. We can win a championship. And I think that's what inspired them to play so well in Dallas and almost beat them. And you wonder if they just, they lose the division at home at Lambeau Field on a last second touchdown. Let's say they go to Philadelphia and squeak out a win. I think there's a chance they go to Dallas and get creamed it rather than play a really close game. And then all of a sudden, you think, wow, we still can't beat Dallas. And what are we going to do? And to me, the things that this that jeopardizes if they get beat by Dallas more decisively one game ahead of time as a non-division champion, does Keith Jackson come back in 1996? He had 10 touchdowns and was a pro bowler. Do guys like Eugene Robinson and Santana Dotson want to come to Green Bay? Sure. And the big one is, if Favre goes to Dallas and has an absolute stinker, how is the team so strongly behind him when he goes to rehab in the offseason? Yeah, that's a lot of good points. It's impossible to know. I mean, yeah. maybe you lose one of those guys, but they all had big impacts on that 96 team. So if, if you lose one, that might have changed things. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if one of those guys made the difference in the Super Bowl, but you sure wouldn't have liked to have lost all three of them. I, I think the team's probably still behind Brett. That was really his first run-in with any trouble at that point, yeah. for the most part. At least I publicly. Mean, he probably knew he was kind of a partier. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I, I still don't think it changes much, but that's that's good with those free agents that kind of having a lot of good key players coming in at once before that year because they knew they were on a contender. Yeah, and, and you wonder if you get early retirements out of guys like uh, Sean Jones and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, they might say, hey, we've kind of peaked. This is about as good as it's going to get. And it would... Like, nowadays, that would seem ridiculous for them to think, but back then, it was so much more difficult to get to that elite stage. Whereas nowadays, you have Carolina, who was 7-8-1 last year, and then this year is 14-0. and That wasn't happening in 1995. You, you had to build on it for years and years and years. And there wasn't until probably the late 90s that... Well, Carolina the next year, that, that kind of changed things. But at least by 1995, they were still kind of under the 28-team league. And how many teams came from nowhere in that 28-team era of the NFL? Almost no one. Well, and at that point, too, then, without that 49ers win, you're probably still thinking, man, we can't beat Dallas or San Francisco because you haven't seen them do it at that point. Yeah. So if you're maybe those guys, you're like, there's no way these Packers are getting past both of those teams next year. Yeah. So, yeah, that that I could see that having an impact. Yeah, and Detroit now all of a sudden, because they have the hot young quarterback in Scott Mitchell, who his numbers were insane uh, in 1995, and, you know, he still could have been exactly the same. But now all of a sudden you have 27-year-old Scott Mitchell with a 4,300-yard season, 32 touchdowns, 12 picks, which is almost as good as what Favre did as the MVP that year. You have... 27-year-old, 1,500-yard rushing Barry Sanders. Brett Perryman's 30 with a 1,500-yard season. Herman Moore is 26 with a 1,700-yard season. If they go and crush the Falcons in the first round, and then they go to San Francisco and potentially beat them, maybe they're the hot young commodity that uh, has confidence and goes forward. I mean, it's hard for us to think that just because of you know what happened to him in the years after, but... You know, for certain, they give Scott Mitchell a few more years to try to figure it out. 
Yeah, maybe Barry doesn't retire two years after that or whatever it was. Yeah, Wayne Fonts. Wayne Fonts would have been around as long as Denny Green, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, if, if you have another team feeling good about themselves within your own division, now all of a sudden you have them there, you have Denny Green there, you have Tony Dungy hired by the Bucks the next year. I mean, yikes, it would have been a lot more difficult for the Packers to win those divisions in 96 and 97, potentially. All right, so I guess to put a conclusion on it, Yes or no that they still win the Super Bowl in 96? I'll say yes. Okay. Um, I don't want to be that guy and say no just to try to be edgy. Um, I guess I'll still say yes, but my confidence level is not super high. Sure. I could say, I mean, you were just so convincing through that whole playoff run that I, I just think that if they get in with the same kind of a record, even if you're missing one or two of those guys, I think they still do it. Sure. Yeah, uh, it's hard to unremember them destroying everyone for an entire season. So I'm trying to look up week six NFL picks and or week sixteen NFL picks. And when I typed in week sixteen and put enter, the Google autofill said weeks pregnant after, which is not anything that I want to talk about on this podcast. Um, and I don't even want picks either. I want I want us to make our picks. I don't want to read someone else's picks on here. So uh, we'll go NFL schedule. We're having a lot of difficulty here to try to close out the show. So let's rapid fire these as fast as we can. Chargers, Raiders, cozy Christmas Eve football. Who's going to win? Nice. Yeah, that should be a, an exciting game. And I'll pick. I'll go with the Chargers here. Why not? I, I, I don't know. I'm not real convinced with the Raiders here. I think San Diego can get one here i picked him a ton and they always lose but whatever let's ride the train and they played pretty well yesterday didn't they yeah and they always do and they still lose <laughs> that's true um i'll take the uh i'll take the chargers as well the redskins at the eagles the day after christmas if the redskins win they win the division man it's hard to you know after seeing that game last night philly's definitely better than they were and i think these teams are pretty even and you're in philly mm-hmm. oof yeah, I'll stick with Washington, though. It'll probably be a good game, but I, I think they can do it. Yeah, the so the Eagles lost to the Redskins earlier in the year. So I assume Philly must still control their own destiny. If they beat the Redskins, they will have swept them. Um, and then if they beat the Giants, so... And then they will have swept the Giants as well. So, um, yikes. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not just trying to do this to stay ahead of you. I, I think I agree the Redskins have played much better in recent weeks, and they don't have to play that great to beat Philadelphia. The Colts at Dolphins. The Colts are really on their deathbed a little bit here. Yeah, it sure seems that way. And Matt Hasselbeck, every time he gets touched, he's got his head in the turf and is crying about it. Well, he got drilled yesterday, though. That one game was, or that one hit was awful. It's just like the week before, he had like three of those where he stayed down. And then yesterday, he like he gets pushed and it seems like he's done. But yeah, he keeps getting crushed. He seems like he puts himself in harm's way a little bit. So Arthritis. Out. Who's their quarterback? Is Locke going to play? Um, I have no idea what they're doing with him the rest of the way. But it Whitehurst potentially could be the guy. But yeah, I thought Hasselbeck I returned. I'll go with Miami either way if Hasselbeck plays or not. Yeah, I'm going to agree. The Colts are just terrible right now. They haven't been good in weeks, and now with uncertainty at quarterback, I'll take the Dolphins. Bears at Buccaneers. Oh, man. It's, the Buccaneers might be the hardest team to pick this year. They yeah. just, like, one week will look really good, and the next they just look dreadful. And I, I think the Bears are, I don't know, maybe a little better than 5-9. and nine. I guess it's at Tampa, whatever. They might have a little more fi- firepower, I think, uh 
Elshon Jeffrey might have got a little banged up yesterday. I'll mm-hmm. go with Tampa. Uh, yeah, I'll go with Tampa as well. I seem to think the Bears are better than they are, but they can't beat anybody anywhere except for us at Lambeau Field on Thanksgiving in the biggest regular season game of the season. <laughs> so um, I'll take them. I'll start picking some games first, so I don't. I'm starting to feel guilty that you're going to think. Do you know how many games up you are on me? Two. Oh, three. I was gonna say, sorry, like, three. I think I've cut it down a little bit. Yeah, it's. I'm sorry, it's three. So, and we pick. We both pick New Orleans tonight. All right, Browns at Chiefs. I'll pick Kansas City. Yeah, same here. The Patriots at the Jets. Ooh. I would think at that moment the Patriots still would not know their fate for home field, so I think they will win. Yeah, it's tough. It sounds like Amendola's out, and then there's still no Edelman. I'm gonna go with the Jets here. Maybe try to make one up on you. I I think that they look kind of punchless without everybody. They got Gronk back, but they've got like no running backs left. Sure. It's it's gonna be a tough game, but I think New York's got a ton on the line, and Rex Ryan. I'm sorry, Rex Ryan's not there anymore. But I think these guys are still gonna be pumped up to beat the Pats in in a meaningful game. And I think this Pats team lost to the Eagles with a similar roster. So that's true. I'll take the Jets. Yeah, that's true. Although Fitzpatrick can't seem to ever beat the Patriots, no matter what team he's on. Yeah, the Cowboys at Bills, a double Super Bowl rematch. Yeah. Um, Kellen Clemens gotta... starting. Kellen... Or no, not Kellen Moore, not Kellen Clemens. Kellen Moore, Boise State. I'll go with the Bills. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll take the Bills as well. Kellen Moore looks like he's about four years old. But... Yeah, and I didn't get to see any of that game. I'm kind of I'm excited that I get to maybe see him in some gameplay now because he's just got that weird, like, little kid, like, kind of <laughs> strange face. It's hard to take him serious as a quarterback. He looks like a who, kind of. Yeah. The Panthers at Falcons. Um, I, I don't feel like this Panther team is good enough to go 16-0. and It just doesn't feel right historically because where they rank in their numbers, but they're better than the Falcons, and their offense is white hot right now, so I would be foolish to pick against them. Yeah, I think Carolina is closer to a 16 and 0 team than Atlanta is to an 8 and 8 team. And they're both kind of on the verge of being, so I'll go with Carolina. That's a good point. The 49ers at Lions. Um, Detroit. Yeah, you got to pick Detroit here, I guess, right? And they just got San Francisco just got blanked by AJ McCarron and the Bengals. So. Yeah, the Texans at the Titans. So two teams that lost their quarterbacks yesterday. I have no idea who will play for either of them. Mettenberger and who for Houston? Um, is it going to be Whedon? Uh, they had. Whedon? Yeah, I guess so. How many teams has he started for? Like eight teams this year? Yeah, this season alone, he's been on like eight teams. Yeah. I, I'm going to go with Tennessee here. I think if Whedon plays, I like Mettenberger maybe a little bit more. I think Houston's team is probably a little better, but I think Brandon Whedon's so bad. I'll take Houston because I feel like they can win 6-3. to three. Uh, Tennessee just, I don't know, is not very good. The Steelers at the Ravens, which normally was a marquee matchup, not so this year. The, what did you think of the Ravens' uniforms yesterday? I did not like them. I, I don't mind the the quick alternates, but those did not seem to fit in with the rest of their uniforms. I know they've got a little bit of gold in there, but they just look disgusting. They definitely look like a team that has quit on their year and is bad, and they know it, so they're just going to wear gold pants. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they looked like a bag of like mustard-flavored Gardettos. I, I hated it. Um, Steelers. Is that who you picked? Yeah. Okay. yeah same here. Jags at Saints. This could be fun. Yeah, that'll be a good game. I want to watch that one. Yeah. Um, man, that's good. I, I I think I'll go with the Jags. I keep picking them lately did they win yesterday i don't even remember. no they lost to the falcons ah jerks maybe i don't <laughs> want to pick them anymore i don't know they've got some pretty good firepower on offense they're fun to watch i'll keep rooting for them i'll pick them i'll pick the saints just to make it interesting the rams at the seahawks there's no chance that the rams are going to replicate what they did um earlier in the season seattle yeah same here um on f- well the sunday night game the giants without odell beckham at the vikings uh, so 
man, um, potentially with the Packers uh, able to win the division uh, sitting on the couch, or I guess sitting on the plane, um, I'd still take the Vikings. Yeah, same here. I think you lose your best offensive weapon, and that's basically what the whole Giants team has been, is just hoping Odell Beckham can catch three touchdowns, it seems <laughs> like. They're not very good otherwise, so if you lose him, yeah. I think Minnesota's better. Well, how many games have they lost in a row, or, or most of their last five games, and Beckham had like a six-game, 100-yard streak, so... Yeah. Um, Bengals-Broncos on Monday Night Football, actually a good one for once. Yeah, so you've got McCarron against, who knows, Osweiler or Peyton. Yeah, Osweiler played pretty well yesterday. They lost the lead, but he he wasn't really his fault too much. Yeah, these are pretty similar teams, pretty similar defenses, kind of strangely similar on offense, like one elite receiver, a couple other good ones, and a backup quarterback and a, a couple of running back committee. Um, Man, that's hard. I, I guess I'll pick Denver just because I think the defense is slightly better, and I've seen a little more from Osweiler than we have from McCarron so far. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Brock Weiler is the more known commodity. <laughs> Brock Weiler. <laughs> Brock Weiler. I can't be the first one to say that. Um, so I'll take uh, Brock Weiler and uh, the Denver Broncos, especially since they're at home. Okay, and unfortunately, no Jags at Saints for us because we have to watch the Green Bay Packers take on the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. How do you think this one's going to go all? I mean, I I can't foresee a scenario where they win this game after having seen this team play. You always kind of rest back on the fact that you've seen this Green Bay Packer team with a similar roster do great things, and you always hope that they might just shoot out of a cannon out of nowhere. But, I mean, if this offense hasn't been getting it going against much worse defenses, how are they going <laughs> to do it against this Arizona Cardinals defense? And on top of that, how is our stagnant offense um you know, I'm sorry, how is our defense going to be able to slow down this offense that's been rolling and just putting up a ton of points on people? Yeah. I I can't see both things clicking at once. So, uh, unfortunately, I'll have to pick the Arizona and just hope for the upset. Yeah, I got to agree with almost everything you said there. It's, they need to have their defense play their best game and their offense play their best game, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's much more likely that it looks like Denver all over again and they just get trucked and have to just go back and win the the three seed which is fine uh but yeah i i don't see that if arizona and they do arizona has a reason to play i don't see the packers winning this one which could be okay because the idea of you beating arizona twice in arizona in a month time it seems ridiculous i'd rather lose the first one and win the second one all right well <laughs> it, it seems like weird logic. Maybe I don't even disagree with you, but I guess I'd maybe like to see them beat them and think they can do it. But yeah, I mean, I don't see them beating that team twice. Yeah, I don't know if I see them beat them beating them once in two tries. No. All right, so we go into the Christmas holiday with thinking positive thoughts. The Packers are ten and four. They could conceivably win in Arizona. They're going to the playoffs for the second straight year. They can do no worse than play for the division championship at home against the Minnesota Vikings on the last Sunday of the season. And Matt, with just a couple days left for Christmas, I want to know which stuff you're going to try to fit in and watch since watching Christmas stuff after Christmas is always the lamest and worst and most depressing. So what haven't you watched yet that you're going to try to watch before Christmas? Yeah, and the nice thing about tonight's game is I have no interest in watching Saints-Lions, so I can definitely <laughs> squeeze something in here tonight. I've got I've got some stuff left to watch. I'm saving um, Muppets Christmas Carol for Christmas Eve Eve because that's my favorite. Okay. 
So I'll just watch that before all everything starts there. I, I still haven't watched Garfield. I haven't watched oh. Elf. Oh. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of like to squeeze in It's a Wonderful Life if I have time. It's not on the top of the priority list, but I, I'd like to watch it. There's there's quite a few that I still need to watch. I haven't watched Frosties. I haven't watched Rudolph. I've, I've got to get in a lot of stuff here in the next three days. Yeah, that's going to be tough. You might have to take the rest of the days off if you don't have them off already. So Yeah, I should just... <laughs> Call in sick for more. Sorry, I just I gotta watch these Christmas specials before Thursday. <laughs> they would understand, I think, at this point. Uh, I was I watched It's a Wonderful Life last night. I actually already had seen it earlier in the year, but uh, that one's just hitting the spot this year. A lot of those that you mentioned, I've seen. I haven't seen any of the Santa Clauses yet, which I definitely. Oh yeah, same here. I I don't care to watch the second or third, but I got to see the first one. Yeah, agreed. I definitely have to see that. I haven't seen Home Alone yet. I really want to watch. I did watch that one. Okay, so that one I need to get to. Um, Elf, I haven't seen, but if I miss that one, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, I know you don't like Charlie Brown that much, but I haven't seen that one yet. Yep. Um, the, I've pretty much seen all the other ones. I've seen Garfield, um, Claymation Christmas, which we talked about last time. I've seen that. Nice. I gotta watch that one too. Yeah. I, I, we better just end the podcast because you got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I got, I got work to do. All right. Uh, we will do that real quick. Uh, our Facebook comments, Caleb Pike, one of our great fans, and he did me a real solid last week. So I just like to say thanks for that. Um, he's appreciate, or he's very excited for the playoffs because he doesn't have high expectations. And so that way any success will be good, which, um, I guess there's something to say to that. I kind of feeling somewhat the same way. And uh, Daniel Johnson says that they made the playoffs. Now the division and maybe a first-round bye is coming up next. He's happy with a road win against a team that's better than the record shows. He's not happy how they handled things towards the end with the terrible Aaron Rodgers interception. And, uh, yeah, that was a strange interception. I don't know if we have to talk about that, but um, – that's the weirdest throw I've seen Aaron Rodgers throw in a long time. <laughs> yeah, as I said in my text to you yesterday, I was kind of pumped about it. Whatever, he's just sitting on the ball all the time and not taking chances. And what he did yesterday, it seemed like it was working. So yeah. I am, I'm going to even say keep doing that. I guess <laughs> it was a stupid decision at any other quarterback. But for a guy I'd like to see take some more shots, whatever, I'll take it. And his, in his press conference, he had a really good sense of humor about it. He was asked what happened, and he said he was trying to throw it to Charles Woodson but underthrew him. So. Yeah, it, it was close to being a, a pick for him, and that other guy stole it away. Yeah, what the heck? Doesn't he even know? That guy's an idiot. Uh, so there is that. Um, so if you want to leave a comment on the Facebook page, you can go to Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can uh, send us an email, greenandgoldpodcast at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at greengoldforever. That's the number four. And definitely tune in sometime this week for KZ Radio, where uh, we'll be previewing the game against the Arizona Cardinals. That is 92.9 in Appleton and the Fox Cities, 104.3 in Green Bay. It's almost always on the 3 to 5 o'clock hour, but I'm not sure, given the Christmas holiday, when it will play or if if that's the exact time period. So I would say as soon as this is over, as soon as you hear it, just listen to KZ Radio through Christmas, and then you should be all set and ready to go. Okay, so hopefully the Packers can win, and um, I, Matt and I both want to wish everybody a very happy holiday season, a very Merry Christmas, and uh, hopefully right after Christmas the Packers can pick up a big win and uh, maybe still salvage something really special from what's been a very strange season. Thank you for listening, and take care, everyone.